0: Hey ladies, welcome to WTF, Women Talking Frankly, a running conversation
1: with your hosts, Kyle and Candace. And you, about issues facing women, such as health, hormones, our looks, our libido, life, and anything in between. We promise to dig deep and get into it each episode. Welcome. We're so glad you joined us today. We're
0: back in the studio again, and we have a lot to talk about. We're calling this episode A Waiting One, and no pun intended. So we're talking about Women Talking Frankly, WTF, and we're here in the studio today with Candace, myself, and we have a guest today, Tracy Siegel, and we'll get to her later. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop for her. And the funny thing is, when we all got to the studio today, it's so typical. Those two were sitting there with their little fans, and they were hot
1: as can be. Huh, Candace. Uh, who me? I just me hot flashes. Hot flashes. My best sweats. friends. No, yeah. I mean usually I don't know what it was about today. Was it me or was it just hot in here? Isn't that the typical question? It <laughs> is
0: the question. I mean, even though we're hormonally balanced most of the time, most things, of the time things happen. And a little red wine, a little mm-hmm. heat, in the, too many clothing on. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, you had a stressful day, but day before, yes. hot flashes happen. So anyway, we've covered a lot in the last few episodes. But today, we're going to talk about what we hear most. Candace sees, he sees women, I see women. What do you hear most from women? What is the biggest number one complaint you hear from women?
1: I would have to say with all ages, mm-hmm. it's, it's either weight gain, gaining weight, creeping weight gain, <laughs> weight gain that has been piling up for the last few years, sudden weight gain, belly fat, can't lose it. Wow, it sounds it's like, all around that.
0: Sounds like we might be talking about weight today. What do you think? Right. Okay, well, that's why we have Tracy here. So I we have, you know, we've introduced a new segment in our uh, podcast. I'm calling it our hot topic. And my mm-hmm. hot topic this time was thinking back to my teens and my twenties, particularly ancient times ago. The magazines <laughs> of my day and Candace's day were glamour and cosmopolitan. Well, there were others, of course, like Vogue, Red Book, Ladies' Home Journal. But my friends and my myself, we were obsessed with reading Glamour and Cosmo. What I remember most is that every time you went to the grocery store, there was a a lit- you know, a whole bunch of magazines, and every single one of them had something on it that had something to do with how you could lose weight. it would say like something like, lo- lose five pounds by the weekend, or how to get those thighs two inches thinner by the time you get married. <laughs> Hate those thighs, how to trim them up fast. Or how to look good in a bikini in two weeks now. Is that realistic, ladies? I don't think so. So and then there was the But it great, was pretty
1: important. It was pretty
0: important back then. We were so obsessed with how we looked and it was really mm-hmm. important to be thin, to be tan, to be, you know, everything that we wanted to be. We wanted to look like those models in the magazine. There right. was the grapefruit diet. There was the veggie soup diet. There was the Atkins diet. It was always an instant solution about how to change your body. And boy, did we buy into it. Yeah, Didn't you agree? we did. It had to be the instant solution. Everything was quick, there was slim fast. <laughs> it was this. And I remember we all drank. Oh, yeah. Didn't you drink Tab? Oh, it tasted so awful. I, I know, but, I, but we added lime to, love to it.
1: it. <laughs> and we drank Fresca, and we used Sweet and Low. And what you just mentioned, um, what was the one? Fresca? No, the diet drink. Tab? Um, no, Slim Fast. Oh, Slim Fast. Yeah. God, I hate to think what was in that stuff. And we did it because we
0: wanted to drop those pay- pounds quickly. And it, mm. you know, you lose the pound, you gain them back. Some people took diet pills. We put co- we put sweet and low in our coffee. Mm-hmm. We would just drink coffee all day long, smoke cigarettes. I mean, no whatever, dose. It, whatever it took you to lose the weight. <laughs> no dose, t- was no <laughs> dose. was good. No dose was good. You try to sweat those pounds off, and you name so it. So good, it was bad. So, but think about today. What's different now? We Now we have, where we live in the Pacific Northwest, we're inundated with all kinds of health food grocery stores. We have Whole Foods, we have New Seasons, we have Food Front. And when you walk down those aisles, what do you see? You have all those magazines now like how to get a six-pack, how to get arms like Michelle O. She has great arms. How to feel sexy about how you look. And then there are all those diets that promise to deliver. I can't tell you how many people come up to me and say, I'm on the keto diet. I'm on the vegan diet. I'm on. I had another one c- coming in the other day. It's a new one to me. I'm on the special carb diet. I'm like, what the heck is that? WTF? What the fuck is that? You know, she said it. I said it. Ladies, Yay! we broke the F-bomb through. Mom
1: just dropped. We broke through. Hallelujah!
0: So you need a builder, right? we had to make good on
1: our WTF. So then it's we're very f- brave. But,
0: and then we have intermittent fasting, and we have all these things. And everybody asks me, you know, what do you think of this, Kyle? What do you think of that? And I have to say. I'm not a nutritionist. Again, that's why we brought somebody in today, because helping us sort through it. But also at the same time, we're on all these diets. Back in the 80s, we all went on a high-carb, low-fat diet, and everybody got fat. Mm -hmm. Now everybody's on a high-fat, high-protein, low-carb diet. I'm not so sure it's working long-term. So we keep hearing, I keep packing on the pounds. This is what I hear all the time. I don't eat any differently than I used to, but I cannot lose weight. I never had belly fat. Well, lucky you, because I did. But now I have a fat roll. It's just awful. I am so discouraged, and people are just at their wit's end. Sometimes that's what
1: brings them in to see me more than the menopausal symptoms. I think women do hate that—the belly so fat, too. the menopot, the the roll. They hate that more than anything. Because you try yeah. on
0: clothing, and even though you, the rest of your body does look good, and you are mm-hmm. fit, and you go to the gym and you work out, you have this little little jelly roll. It's <laughs> called it a jelly roll. It's like a jelly roll donut. Uh-huh. Um, and you have it. Nothing works. So. They come in and they and I hear this all the time. I know that Tracy and I sh- actually share a patient who cannot lose weight. We're really we're pulling out our hair. We can't figure hmm. out what to do. So we're going to address a lot of these issues today, and that's my hot topic. And now we want to go over some of the hormone imbalances that can cause weight gain, both when you're
1: young and again, particularly when you get to perimenopause and beyond. Well, so Candace, you just take it away. Well, you just said you have a patient who cannot lose weight no matter what she does. And that usually is when you when here come the hormones, the hormone pieces. So maybe you have a hormone imbalance that has gone unaddressed and you're this is a new patient. So you still have to do that workup with her probably. But I mean, these hormone imbalances are the, the hidden, you know, they're hidden. They they tend to sabotage our, our best efforts to lose weight. I hear this all the time. People say, I eat clean. I eat healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, although that's up for debate. What people, wouldn't you say? Yeah, we'll introduce you... Tracy soon. But, I, I mean, I, I really, when you really drill down and start talking to people about what healthy means to you, that's that's a whole nother story. Isn't it, I mean, though? People- it will say, oh, I had... Um, I only had two bags of M and M's this weekend. I kind of went off the deep end. You're like, well, that's not clean. That's not exactly clean. No, and and you know the whole issue with the game when you were talking about the fat free. I remember living in England and moving back to this country and thinking, why everything is fat free, but everybody's fat. It just ironic. I, I remember writing an article called "Fat Free and Fatter." which was getting into the fact that, you know, the USDA had come up with this nutrition pyramid, although nobody on that USDA team was a nutritionist, but it was all about nine, nine servings of grains, I mm-hmm. believe. And at the same time, we were enriching the foods with gluten, Hybridizing the wheat and thirty to forty times the amount of gluten, so that was a perfect storm. I think that's when we really started seeing obesity, and and it it all kind of dovetails in with hormonal imbalance because you know we have two thirds of the population being obese or, or overweight. Oh, a third of that, a third of that are people who are actually obese, and what's interesting is the most prevalent. Who do you think that the population group is that is most overweight out of that two thirds? Women? It's people people over 40. Mm. And that just happens to be around the time, isn't it, when our hormones start to fluctuate? And we start to become number one estrogen dominant, as we've discussed in other episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, estrogen hangs around. It's more plentiful than some of the other hormones that start to to dip like progesterone. the The major one that balances estrogen starts to go as we become perimenopausal. That fluctuates. it um, we stop ovulating. So we're not making as much progesterone. We've discussed this and then estrogen, in relative terms, it starts to be dominant. And that's very common in women over 40 as we move into this this period, right? And that's when you see with estrogen dominance, it's really the, um, the, the fat, the estrogen, so-called estrogen fat pattern distribution is hips, thighs, bottom. Right. That's where the weight goes. But, then, but what, and then the belly fat, so what's causing that? The belly fat is more linked to cortisol imbalances mm-hmm. where you have high blood sugar that turns into high insulin. And insulin we know is it because insulin is, uh, you know, we have the whole insulin resistant conversation that maybe Tracy can treat us to. But, um, you know, when insulin is elevated and blood sugar is elevated, we tend to store fat in the belly, the right. abdominal depot. Um, so that's a cortisol imbalance that we see. And often that comes from what? People being having a high level of stress for a right. long time. So it's either high stress, which starts to pack on the weight in the belly, or it can be low cortisol mm-hmm. after years of stress. And now our adrenals are tired and they're they're kind of fatigued and there's a lack of efficient calorie burning. And you have to get so, into also, I mean, think about the apple body is much more
0: likely, the person who has the round belly is more likely to have the cardiovascular disease right. as opposed to pear shape. Both are dangerous, but clearly the ha- apple shape is worse. Mm-hmm. And getting, and you're talking about cortisol imbalances. Also, foods feed the cortisol imbalances. If you're sure. if you're eating high sugar diets and you're drinking lots of coffee and you're staying up late, that's going to also make your cortisol go out of whack. So we'll get into some of the food mm-hmm. you know, relationships with um, hormone imbalances. And
1: interestingly, on that point, if you have a diet that's high in carbs, simple sugar sugars and sugars. Um, you, we see this issue with um, high androgens, the high mm-hmm. testosterone and high DHEA, because what happens when insulin becomes elevated as a result of surplus blood sugar, it stays high, mm-hmm. and then the ovaries are triggered to overproduce Androgen. testosterone, that's right. and that's where we get into things like PCOS, Exactly. where there's a lot of central obesity, mm-hmm. there's irregular periods, there's even infertility, and you know along well, the way acne and skin issues, and all those. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So there are a number of, you know, this is um, when we're talking about, when we're, when we're talking with women who are really flummoxed and stumped, you know, they think they're doing everything right to lose weight, but maybe they haven't addressed the hormone imbalance that's, that's sabotaging their, their efforts. Yeah, and,
0: and oftentimes what we see when we test people at this age particularly is they have low androgens. So women come in and say, I know for myself, if I wasn't on testosterone... I build muscle pretty easily now still at my age. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't on a balance of hormones, I don't think I could. And I think a, a lot of women say, I go to the gym, I work out, I do Orange Theory, I, go, I do you know core power yoga, all those you know, high-intensity workouts now, and they're not building
1: muscle because they don't have the testosterone or the DHEA that allows them to do so. So ladies, if you're listening, don't get confused. That was a bit, we're talking about high androgens causing central obesity, but low androgens can cause an inability to put on lean muscle and thus we lose our calorie burning power, right? Right. So there's two ends to that, two sides to that coin. And then one last hormone imbalance. I mean, there's
0: probably ones that we're not even talking about today, but let's get into thyroid. I mean, you have to test somebody's thyroid. Oftentimes, people have a functional hypothyroidism. And uh, you know what I see is I do a full thyroid panel on people when they come in my office because I, I say, you know, if you're having any fatigue or issues or weight gain or low libido, let's look at that thyroid and let's look at all four levels. I do what's called the TSH, free T3, free T4, and thyroid antibodies. And if any of those are awry, then I address that with people. It might be thyroid support, but
1: a lot of times if you have just a mildly underactive thyroid, you're just not going to be able to Mm -hmm. lose weight. Right. So that's kind of important. Another important link, though, between estrogen dominance and mildly underactive thyroid, right? Because we know that estrogen dominance tends to block... That conversion of T4 to active T3. And so many people don't know about that. And the average test that's covered by insurance is just TSH. right? So we're not looking at the T3-T4 connection, which is a whole new world of information. It's like looking at a,
0: a, a picture with like a, a half of your face. You know, you have mm. one, only one eye. You have to look at the whole picture. You right. can't just isolate one. And, you know, birth control pills. Birth control pills can affect your weight. We hear that all the time. Back in, when I first became a nurse practitioner in the nineteen 80s, the pills were different. They were a much higher dose, that, oh, yeah. and they caused much more weight gain than they do now. But still, if you're on a birth control pill and you're not losing weight, it, it could be the birth control pill. It could be affecting your thyroid and just, in general, your carbohydrate metabolism. Mm-hmm. We clearly see that with things like Depo-Provera, the, the, uh, the, the Nexplanade. It just changes everything. Yeah. So yeah, so that's a huge issue. And what do we always recommend? Remember, we had in our other episodes we talked about Candace and I came up with what we think are the ten essential hormone truths. Hmm. The one that I picked out for this episode was testing is the only way to know for sure if your hormones are out of balance and to what extent. We recommend a comprehensive workup, which mm-hmm. includes saliva or blood spot testing focused blood, blood work, food sensitivity testing. And there are more tests that may be helpful as well. But, you know, This is a, a, T, a TBD kind of conversation. But we also say work with a provider who thinks outside the box, someone who can help you navigate through things and help you come up with a plan for you.
1: And who recognizes these things that we're talking about, that there is a very strong hormonal connection to weight gain or That's inability right. to lose. So there's definitely, I mean, when people find out that they have imbalances that are linked to their weight gain, they're so happy. (laughs) They're so relieved to have a reason. So happy to find out there's
0: something wrong that that can be fixed. Uh It's not like a something wrong that's like, oh, this, you know, you're not going to do well. Mm -hmm. This is, you've got something. We've got something to work with. Isn't Mm -hmm. that great? We've come to the time in our show now to introduce our guest. And, and this is a gal that I've gotten to know over the last year. Her name is Tracy Siegel. And funny story was I got a phone call from one of her friends last year who used to be my hair cutter. And uh, she said, I have a friend who's getting her uh, degree and she's working in nutrition, and she would love to network with you. So I met Tracy, and we just hit it off. And we, and we just... We see things the same way, we can work together with patients, and gradually we brought her into our practice at the Pearl Women's Center. So now she's there four days a week. So when I'm seeing patients and I'm like, you know, flummoxed on what to do with them, I'm, I just walk them down to her office and say, here, Tracy, you take them. <laughs> Tag, you it, basically. So Tracy um, has been a functional nutritionist, and I guess the first question I want to ask you is, tell us, what is a functional nutritionist? How does it compare with the nutritionists and dietitians of yore?
2: So first of all, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, That's a great question. So functional nutrition is really looking at function. It's looking at the physiological response in the body. And it's being able to determine how you can improve and restore health through diet, supplementation, exercise, sleep, stress management, And so it's really looking at the body as a whole. You know, I think nutrition is historically looked at as what we're eating. Mm -hmm. So for me, Mm -hmm. nutrition is all about what your body is doing with what you're eating. So nutrition is also about are you getting adequate sleep? Are you managing stress? Um, Are you getting exercise? Are you moving your body? And really, a really important piece, too, is what are the conversations that you're having with yourself what type of emotional stress are you creating and what kind of impact is that having you know, you talked about the magazines and you're getting, we're getting all mm-hmm. of this information about body shaming and mm-hmm. how we really focus on all of our imperfections and what that actually does to the body from a stress perspective and actually can become inflammatory. Mm. And an inflamed body has a really difficult time releasing weight. So mm. for me, the functional component here is looking at All of it. So being able to address, okay, what's going on from a hormonal perspective? What is going on from a stress standpoint? What is going on looking at what you're eating? Are you eating too much? Are you eating in a stressed state? Are you digesting and assimilating? Meaning, is your body actually using the nutrients that you're putting in it? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what happens when I, because I ask people to do food journals They're finding they eat a lot more than they're realizing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times having that cognitive awareness about what they're eating and why they're eating um, is really, really important. So, you know, for me, it goes way beyond looking at a food pyramid or looking at Mm -hmm. how many calories or – it's really the amount of nutrients that the body that you're putting in the body, and how you can actually heal the body.
0: Well, it's interesting. Having grown up when Candace and I grew up, everybody was counting calories back yeah. in the day, and even nowadays, and we've all heard a calorie is a calorie is not a calorie. Mm-hmm. If you eat a thousand calories of M Ms versus a thousand calories of string beans, it's a very different thing. Yeah. But people still now count calories. How do you feel about that?
2: So you know it's... It, I don't ever recommend counting calories, um, but there there is a piece of uh, that is correct in that because when you're talking about energy and energy being metabolic process, you know to lose weight there does have to be a deficit. You have to be putting out more energy than you're taking in. The challenge becomes though when you're you have to take into consideration all the other pieces. So, what's going on with thyroid? What's going on from an from a hormone perspective, looking at endocrine function, you know, figuring out where you can, you know, help and support those processes so that you can actually improve and bump up metabolic output. Mm. And so really, you know, for me, most of the time my recommendations are, you know, you want to have a diet that is, you know, you're getting adequate fats, you are getting adequate proteins, and you are staying away from processed carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. You know, where you're going to get in a lot of trouble in all of those categories is if you have a highly refined diet. If you have a highly refined diet, you are going to continue to gain weight for all of the reasons Candace that you mentioned earlier you are going to feel more fatigued. You are probably going to experience more depression and more anxiety Mm. because you have this inflammatory response going on in the gut, which, you know, there is the correlation between the brain and the gut. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing, you know, more and more studies being done on, you know, neurological function and diet. And so, you know, looking at at all of that um, and recommending lower-carbohydrate non, some starchy carbs, but more vegetables, lots Mm. of fruits, lots of phytonutrients. The more color, the better, just from an antioxidant perspective. And really, at the end of the day, when
1: people start eating real food, they start to feel better. And that is highly motivating. Let's talk about phytonutrients, because probably uh, not everyone listening understands that word. So... So phytonutrients are
2: they're they're antioxidants. They go in they they kill these free radicals. So putting you know fruits, colorful fruits, lots of green vegetables are actually just going to help fight inflammation in the mm-hmm. body.
1: So just plant-based foods, really. plant-based foods, and there are some that are more powerful than others. Absolutely at, at helping to balance hormones. Absolutely.
0: Well, Dr. Dr. Oz, I went to hear him speak years ago, and he said his his little thing was. Eat a rainbow every day. Absolutely. And I tell people it doesn't mm-hmm. mean it eat a you know, rainbow of Skittles. You a rainbow of like, you know, rainbow like, of foods, like purple potatoes, yes. and you know, like a red apple, and you know, berries. Yep.
2: Really, the more color, a, the better. Exactly. And, and why and is the, that exactly? Because the more color, the more nutrients mm-hmm. are in that food. They're also incredibly mineral rich. Mm-hmm. So the one thing we don't speak enough about are minerals. Minerals are the spark plugs in your body. Mm. So they are what give you vibrance. They are what keep you going. And so a lot of times when you're talking about Thyroid dysfunction, hormonal imbalances, you need to also look at mineral deficiencies and identify those deficiencies. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, digestion is such a critical piece Mm -hmm. of nutrition. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have an inflamed gut, your body is not actually going to be able to break down and assimilate those nutrients. So, you know, eating in a, in a relaxed state, chewing your food, like some of the easiest things to recommend for people is slow down. You know, digestion starts in the brain and we have all these mechanical and physiological processes in our body. And they don't work correctly when we eat too fast Mm -hmm. or when we eat in a stressed state. Or standing up. Or standing up. And most of us, you know, we are all guilty of it. We're all Mm -hmm. multitasking. We're eating, we're driving, and we're talking on the phone. You know, (laughs) and to think that our body is actually going to be able to utilize those nutrients. You know, but if you could just slow down and not eat so fast, Mm -hmm. that is one of the biggest kind of key components to weight loss too is actually just slowing down
0: what do you think of the whole thing they used to tell you that chew 24 times remember yeah. that before yeah. each bite impossible right it's impossible but there's some validity to yeah, it I
2: think so. you know one it helps with the breakdown of food you know when you eat larger particles of food it just makes it so much more difficult for the body to break it down mm-hmm. and convert it into nutrients and oh. so you know chewing the chewing your food is actually really good I Used to make fun of my grandmother all the time. She's like, "Chew your food," and I'm like, "I'm really hungry." As I'm <laughs> shoveling it in.
0: Well, I have this uh, really funny dog, and it's a segue. But th- my dog named Rosie is the fastest eater in the whole world. Mm-hmm. She just basically sucks her food down. So mm-hmm. I bought her what's called a food puzzle, and I just saw, and it's a it's like a, a little maze, and you put it on the yep, floor. We have the and you put same thing. <laughs> she used to eat her food in like 30 seconds. Now she's at maybe seven minutes. And I keep thinking maybe people need a food puzzle.
2: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think if people, because here's the thing: if you actually slow down, you would re- probably require much and eat much less food. Exactly. But you're eating so fast that by the time you're done eating,
0: you are really full and you've probably overeaten. And yet, I've heard and maybe this is uh, this is maybe this is old. Let me know that if you eat like shorter than twenty minutes, your brain hasn't had a chance to catch up. Oh, absolutely. Up. The satiety no. levels aren't there yet, so you absolutely keep thinking not. you're hungry. Yeah. So if you slow down and make your meal last about 20, 30 minutes, yep. your brain catches up. And there you are
2: well how often have you eaten a meal and then you're like i'm i'm so like you're so full you're uncomfortable right Mm -hmm. so when you get to that point it's actually really difficult for the body to start breaking that down it's 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 really hard on the body so i always make kind of a simple recommendation that people stop around 80 percent stop around 80 percent you know give your body a chance to catch up see if you actually need more food Or are you eating for another reason? Maybe it tastes good. Maybe you're stressed out. Maybe you had a bad day. Emotional eating, eating for other reasons are a huge part of this. And so being aware of that is really, really critical
1: as well. Right. And it it puts me in mind of what we were just talking about with hormonal connections and stress you know it's sort of like what came first the stress right you know Mm -hmm. what what actually is is taking away from our nourishment right is it the lack of digestion is it the stress that that accompanies the the way we're eating Mm -hmm. in a hurried manner yeah um and and not pulling in the nutrients we want and then there's also the issue about overeating because we're stressed right. because absolutely. the body in its wisdom if yep. our cortisol levels are high that is a stress response absolutely you know mm-hmm. that's a red flag we need, i, need, I need to store some fat for later the, on that's, what do right. the adrenals want to do they want you to fuel yourself right. exactly. so even the so so that is uh you know a trigger for overeating but it really can also begin it strikes me with undereating mm-hmm. there's that yeah. whole thing about people who are res- on restricted <gasps> diets yep. and you know they're restricting their calories they're restricting their foods and that also is a stress response the absolutely. adrenals want to hang on well, absolutely to and the body slows, fat you have when you're yep. restricting because that's calorie deprivation mm-hmm. to the body, that's stressful, right? Oh,
2: absolutely. So it's a it's survival response.
1: Stressful. It's, it's,
2: a, it's a survival, it's absolutely mm-hmm. a survival mechanism. But, you know, and the downfall to that is actually slows down metabolic process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here women are restricting calories in the hopes of losing weight. And what's happening is they do achieve some loss, but then they plateau because metabolic response has slowed down mm-hmm. based on the restricted caloric intake so then you continue yes. to have this right. this mm-hmm. challenge between energy input and energy output so then they further restrict and then it's you know then they start to gain
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And they're like, I don't know what I'm doing off wrong. in the belly. Because now they're and eating
0: off. a normal amount of, according yep. to what they're writing down on their piece of paper, it sounds like a normal amount of food, but right. their body's but their body is so... slowed down.
2: Absolutely. So,
0: and what you mentioned back a couple minutes ago, too, that's so interesting, we talked about the whole second brain. You kind mm-hmm. of alluded to that. Yeah. I don't know if um, the audience knows this, but there's a whole concept now, and we know this is true, that... Something like 80 to 90% of our serotonin receptors are actually in our intestines. Yeah, absolutely. So if Chemical. our metabolic processes are not working well and mm-hmm. not digesting food, we become depressed because absolutely. our serotonin levels are we're not being able to you know, respond to them, so yeah. we get depressed and then depression leads to more well less activity. Yep. Uh, more eating out of just frustration, eating Mm -hmm. the wrong foods, not Mm -hmm. trying, not having the energy to try. So it becomes a very downward spiral type of thing. Absolutely. And then think about when somebody, like maybe maybe this never happened to you girls, but maybe somebody broke up with you when you were younger and you were devastated and you lost your appetite. That doesn't Mm -hmm. happen to me very much. I haven't lost my appetite too much. But people do (laughs) lose their appetites. They do. So they do. And then there's that too. So then you are not eating the right foods. So Mm -hmm. it's very It's so. It's all connected. It
2: is absolutely all. It is absolutely all connected. You know, and we talk about, and I don't. I don't want to continue to, to um, talk about this, but you know, when you're talking about digestion, you're talking about the body's ability to break down and assimilate nutrients. You know, fats are really the building blocks for hormones. Mm-hmm. Proteins are the building blocks for healthy neurotransmitter function. You know, and so it's really, really critical to have these conversations, Mm -hmm. you know, with people and with our patients when they come in. And because these are not typical conversations that people are having, you know, when you go to the doctor and you have an ailment, the first question you're not expecting him to say is, how's your digestion? What does your diet look like? You know, those are not things that people are typically having. And so, you know, when they come into the clinic, like, that's exactly the conversation that we're going to have because if you don't start there you can't you can't actually make a difference from a systemic perspective mm. you kind of have to start there and work <laughs> outwardly
1: well, in your th- clinic, you're trying to balance hormones. I mean, that's a huge mm-hmm. percentage of your of your work with women that are coming in for hormonal imbalances. So, But I'm thinking about our
0: intake form, and we deal with things like all the hot flashes, but we don't mm-hmm. really talk about digestion even on our intake form. So we're guilty mm. as well. But again, I'm not a nutritionist, but right. how often do people want to tell you that they're having diarrhea or constipation, oh, bloating, or gas? They're really not talking about that in a, on a regular basis.
2: So, but here's the thing about society today and – Um, You know, I don't know if you agree, but I feel like every time I turn on the television or I turn on the radio, it is a remedy or a pill for some form of symptom. Mm -hmm. So I feel like in many ways we have become completely desensitized to symptoms. We've almost normalized gas, pain, bloating, diarrhea to the point where we really don't question them. You know, and we really need to start looking at symptoms as our body's way of communicating to us mm-hmm. that there is a problem. Mm-hmm. Like that—that that is really, really important because that's the only way that our body can communicate to us is by kind of "hello, something's going on," you know, and being able to question that and looking at a root cause in lieu of just masking. You know, you have a lot of heartburn, so they tell the pri- give you Prilosec. Well, Prilosec is actually masking and possibly creating more problems than it is actually being beneficial. If you're having a lot of chronic heartburn, that is more of a digestive issue and the Mm -hmm. body's inability to properly break down food. So being able to look at that and say, okay, maybe you're hypochlorhydric, which means you have insufficient hydrochloric acid and you're not breaking down your food, that's an easy supplementation Mm -hmm. That's an easy, easy thing to help remedy. As Without, opposed to taking these medications, with, which
0: are now shown to maybe cause dementia. Which, and, uh, you know, and, and, and so, an impair
1: cognitive function, which right. is... And isn't it always like that? It's, it's always, always like that. way down Absolutely. the road, then you hear that it, there's actually dire consequences that have nothing to do with the thing that you were taking the medicine right. for so in the first place. We think of so place. many
0: examples of that. And think about all the people who take Pralys so over over-the-counter now. Absolutely. And people just, I have or they're popping Tums. tums like constantly. And so, yeah, and yeah. it's just this... We have a band-aid approach to medicine so we often, do. and that's why functional medicine is so great, because yeah. as Tracy's talking about, and as Candice and I have talked about before, it's that whole, what's upstream? What's causing? You think about a symptom in, in the river behind it. Mm-hmm. What's, what's coming up upstream? What's causing that symptom, as opposed to just saying, we're going to slap a dam on the symptom yeah. and, and bottle nose everything up, and rather than saying, what could
1: be causing it upstream? Yeah, you started asking Tracy what is functional nutrition, but right. and this has gotten into a real dialogue about functional medicine that yep. we're getting we need to look at the root cause but it Absolutely. is I've, I've used the phrase before people become their symptoms mm-hmm. and that that resonates yeah. with people they they'll say I heard you say that and I realized yeah I'm always thinking about how you know I'm fat or I have bloating or I'm I'm this I'm that mm-hmm. I'm I am this thing right instead of you know and then there's an answer for it there's a medication but I think I think our world is. Shi- I think the mindset is shifting. There is more education out there, um, thanks to people like you too, and and, and people you. like and health educators and all kinds of practitioners are realizing this whole growth of functional medicine has really happened. It's ballooned mm-hmm. in the last what. 10 years, 5 15, years?
0: 10, 15. 10,
1: 15 years. So there was integrative medicine sure. and complementary medicine and now functional medicine, and, and there's so much great training and, and all of that is so important. And there, there are just so many pieces to this you know and i think mm-hmm. about so people are stressed they're eating fast let's get back to that they're yeah. rushing through their food and and we're talking about how certain enzymes and vitamins are cofactors to breaking mm-hmm. these foods down aren't mm-hmm.
2: they Absolutely. um
1: and creating a, a, a platform that allows our gut to digest the food properly mm-hmm. So, you know, we have we throw a hamburger into our mouth maybe, and we've got we're, we're trying to digest starch at the same time we're trying to digest protein in one horrible mass that we aren't chewing properly. So what what is that? I mean, why do we have so much colon cancer? Down the road, I think it's that kind of a thing too. Where well, we're not we're not absorbing the nutrients in the food, mm-hmm. and then not only are we not absorbing them, we're not eliminating them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely, and they're, like they're accumulating in the That's right. Absolutely. You know, so so this conversation gets into far ranging things that that have to do with life threatening illness as right. well. But but back to the hormone balancing, you have you were just talking about people that are low in hydrochloric acid. Now that's usually people that are getting on, you know, maybe over 40, mm-hmm. the hydrochloric acid levels go down, don't yes, they? they, Isn't they do. that your ex- and And, and then we've got this. Stress is a huge contributing right. factor as
2: well. It's so if huge- you have a lot of chronic stress in your life, and I just want to make sure mm-hmm. that I'm clarifying stress. So stress can come in all forms. So a stress can be emotional, stress can be work, stress can be home. It can but the, be good. It be And be it can be great. Stress can be great until it's not.
1: Right. Yeah. You
2: know, the one thing, though, that people need to make sure they're aware of is also the stress that's going on inside the body. Are you eating foods that your body is reactive to and you're not aware of it? And you spoke earlier about food intolerance testing. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you do, because I do food intolerance testing as a part of the practice, when I am you know, concerned that there is chronic inflammation. I want to rule that out as a possibility. You can be allergic. You can only be allergic to protein. Okay. You can be intolerant of anything. And the symptoms can often be overlap. very very similar there's so that's a lot an important of important overlap but it's an important distinction in understanding the difference between an allergy <laughs> versus an intolerance
0: so are there proteins in all foods including like fruits and vegetables no okay there so are you, not so you, okay so you really wouldn't be allergic to strawberries you like wouldn't
2: it. be an allergic to a strawberry you would be allergic to eggs you'd be allergic to casein and milk okay. and cheeses great distinction peanuts Um, But, you know, anything else when you start looking at because, you know, I'll do and somebody will be reactive to turmeric. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not allergic to turmeric. They're having a reaction because there's an antibody present in the blood that's having a level of reactivity. That's, that typically speaks more to permeability in the gut and those um, particles of food escaping into the bloodstream and the immune system gets engaged. And so when you have someone who presents with a lot of um, intolerances that speaks to me that we need to really focus on digestion and gut healing. Mm-hmm. That's the leaky gut. That it that more is yeah the leaky gut, which is you know the permeability issue mm-hmm. and these particles of food that are breaking into the bloodstream. So so, so what is an
1: anti-inflammatory? so-called diet look like? And does it work? Anti-inflammatory diets are amazing because
2: you're really getting rid of all of those foods that engage the immune system. Mm -hmm. So when you do an anti-inflammatory diet, you're getting rid of, you're eliminating corn and soy and dairy, um, gluten, Sugar. Sugars. So, those things that the body becomes highly reactive to. And all of a sudden, you know, so you start to receive function restore. Mm-hmm. So, I have seen women in my practice who are postmenopausal and will do an anti inflammatory diet and have a period, mm. full period. They have one, they have this massive purge, but it's the body actually restoring and kind of getting back to this homeostasis where it really just wants to be at all the time. You know, I've had women who have had breakthrough bleeding. I have most of the time women are like, oh, my God, I feel amazing. But it really starts to restore function in the body when you get rid of the inflammatory foods. Do you, have,
0: do you ever see people reacting poorly to the – like when you do – so let's just – I want to dial back a second. Yeah. When you first see somebody, you yeah. know what are some of the things that you – Evaluate and then some, and when you put somebody on a diet and they have a poor reaction, what are some of the things that you do to strategize? So, um, oh gosh, so if I put somebody typically,
2: like someone, let's say someone is a new client, they come in, I do, I have them do a food diary before they come in. It allows me to take a look at what they're eating. I look at symptoms, I'll look at blood work if they have that. Um, just a quick overview we make recommendations you know I always tell my clients like everybody's unique Mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of have to develop a, a baseline and then go from there based on the bio individuality of the person. Mm-hmm. So, Kyle, I wouldn't, you're not going to respond the same way as Candace is going to respond. You guys are both going to have completely different metabolic responses and you're going to respond differently from a dietary perspective. So, each person, but I have to start somewhere. Sure. So, you know, my basic recommendation is, you know, good fats, good proteins staying away from a lot of, of carbohydrates. You know, if people aren't digesting well, we do digestive enzymes and just a lot of supporting nutrients. I really rarely ever start by doing a lot of supplements with people. Very rarely, unless I have blood work and they're that showing low in B12 or they're showing low in D. Mm. those um, Magnesium is one that I'll often recommend too. Magnesium is a catalyst to over 300 enzymatic functions in the body. And so a lot of women are coming, have blood sugar dysregulation, and magnesium can actually help balance blood glucose mm-hmm. levels. So that's another one. Women are also coming that's in and good. experience a lot of constipation. Mm-hmm. So it can help mitigate some of that as well. Um, But I'm pretty conservative from a supplement perspective because I want to work on getting the diet dialed in before I start masking by putting a lot of -hmm. of supplements. And supplementation, in my opinion, is just that. Mm -hmm. It should start with your diet and then supplementation should just be kind of augmented. It just should just be kind of helping promote
1: function. I and remember, when you mention magnesium, there's a, a known, well, it seems to be a widespread deficiency. It's a, it, and, over 80%. of things lasts, like different yeah. minerals like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Because the soil is denatured mm-hmm. because we spray. So there's yeah. that whole piece yeah. with, you know, estrogens, herbicides. Mm-hmm. Um, and it helps you sleep. I mean, it helps. It's very oh, good It does. relaxation. It helps. There's so many things. Magnesium. It helps it with helps. ovulation. It helps with muscle cramps. cramps. I mean, there's so, so many athletes, things. So athletes,
2: I'll have them do it at night mm-hmm. before bed. It just helps. Because calcium... Calcium is responsible for contraction. Magnesium is responsible for relaxation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so uh, I, th- I really very ra- rarely recommend um, calcium. Yeah. I always recommend magnesium. On the same magnesium. way. And I, mm-hmm. I love
0: the fact that you said about the, the mo- not supplementing first because you see people walk in the door and they have their, have their shopping bag full <laughs> of supplements. Or I remember mm-hmm. years ago, when there was a show on TV, it was Suzanne Summers. Do you remember that show, Candice? I think you watched it too. It was all about her talking about her diet and her bioidentical hormones. But oh, she had God. this like, she takes 60 supplements a day, yeah. but she had this organic garden. I kept thinking, there's a disconnect here. Yeah. What? Why would you need to take 60 yeah. supplements a day yeah. if you have an organic garden and you, and you eat healthy foods? Yeah. I think you have to, and I'm not a nutritionist, but it makes sense to me that you'd eat your food, eat, what is it, um, eat whole foods, not too much, mostly plants, that's Michael mm-hmm. Pollan.
2: Absolutely. You know, you
0: just, you, the closer you get to the whole, eat an apple as opposed to an mm-hmm. apple chip, you know, eat a potato as opposed to a potato chip. Right. Eat the
1: real deal. Eat the, Instead eat of the real, juice, eat the orange, yeah. that right. sort of thing. But, you know, what's interesting, though, is we, you know, we talk about these mm-hmm. allergies, these intolerances. How did we mm-hmm. get there? You know how did how did we get to that place where I remember um, when I was younger there was a lot of talk about how food combining. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of you know, that you don't eat a carbohydrate with a protein, that you don't mm-hmm. you, you drink milk, any dairy products should be taken on their own. Melon, remember, watermelon should be on its own. And then there's the the other thing about rotating your foods so that if you're a person that ate Cheerios every single morning, at some point you're gonna be become allergic mm-hmm. to you know, or, or that you're a person mm-hmm. that eats I I would think the same the thing people, every day. the same kind of yeah. diet, mm-hmm. where it's all about carbs, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is where I got into trouble on a podcast that I was on. My God, there was a backlash. These people <laughs> were mean. I said, <laughs> I made the comment that um, vegetarians who don't get enough protein can have problems with ovulation because, as you mentioned, yeah. Tracy, and as we know, we we need fats and Absol- protein mm-hmm. to make hormones in the first place. Absolutely. I should have said vegans, comma. Don't. Yeah. But I've had many vegans, I've talked to many people who are plant-based or strictly mm-hmm. vegan who, who admit that their go-to is carbs, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, because it's so – and that's a whole education, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Helping people put the right proteins together. I mean, yeah. there's nothing wrong at all with plant-based diet. Right. But it's how do we do this right mm-hmm. because somewhere along the line – we got into all this stuff about I'm allergic, I'm intolerant, I, I'm inflamed. Yeah. This is in an inflammatory yeah. diet. You know, well, think about what you
0: said about us being different. I, I often think we're a big melting pot of people in one place mm-hmm. now. And we have every restaurant, every any cuisine that we want. My background is Italian and Russian. My, my people were around, they ate a certain diet, and that was mm-hmm. the only diet they ate. And I think it worked for their bodies. Like people yeah. in Africa eat the sweet, sweet yams, and they get all their progesterone. The Eskimos eat the blood. Yeah. blood. So if you put everybody in one place now, evolutionarily, mm-hmm. we haven't evolved, yeah. I don't think, to tolerate every kind of food available. So, and we're, and we're <clears throat> trying, and it's, our bodies are not reacting. That's Absolutely. a thought that yeah. I've had.
2: Well, the you know, the other piece it's in right this on. is also how we process food. How we process food is a really big topic of conversation, um, you know, because we, we use a lot of sprays and glyphosate and, oh, it's mm-hmm. safe. And mm-hmm. actually it's not, you know, and I don't know about you, but I have talked to so many people who cannot tolerate Bread in the United States, but they're able to yep. go to European countries and have no problem. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't necessarily speak of gluten itself. It speaks to the way that gluten is processed mm-hmm. and what is. And dairy. And there's dairy. It. You know, and Hormone so. Hormone injected foods in right. this country,
1: not allowed in the EU. Absolutely.
2: So you start talking about why we have these immune modulating issues, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's because there's so much that we're exposed to. Mm-hmm. You know unwittingly. and I and I and and, and I wish we were just, hyper aware. Yeah, yeah, and I wish it were easy as saying it's one thing and if we eliminated this Mm-mm. would be fine but you know it's stress, it's what we drink, it's it's how little we sleep. It's it's all it's all things. But a lot of it I truly believe is what we're exposing ourselves mm-hmm. to and all of the toxins. That we're exposed to and our body's true inability to eliminate them. So, getting back
0: to the whole avoiding the dirty dozen. Yeah, and we'll post that on our website. You know, and, and if some of you are aware that there's a whole list of foods that you should only. Eat if they're organic, mm-hmm. and usually they're small berries and mm-hmm. and fruits. Strawberries is always number one. Yeah, and fruits without with a very you know thin skin. Mm-hmm. So it, it, those kind of pesticides are add, adding up in our bodies, and we don't even know what they're doing to our bodies. In the we know they're hormone disruptors. Oh, for absolutely, sure. they're endocrine
2: disruptors. Absolutely, a- and so we yep.
0: know that those are long term effects. And. And so when you're talking about evaluating people, yeah. it's so complex at times. It is. You know, really, you know, you it's what it,
2: cleaning products are you using? What kind of lotions are you using? What type of anti-aging products are you using? And are those products contributing to your hormonal issues? I mean, it's, it's never just... And they are. It, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean,
0: when they're, you they're... buy supplements at Costco in the big jar and, and you think that's what you're getting, you're getting, a good supplement. I'm not saying they don't sell good supplements because mm-hmm. probably they do. But I try to encourage people when they buy supplements to yeah. buy them made, know, know where they're made, how they're made, what's in them. You're gonna pay, you get what you pay for.
2: So I am a supplement snob. I will um, absolutely admit that. That if you are going to purchase a supplement, you need to purchase a supplement that your body's going to be able to use.
1: Right.
2: If you purchase a, a lower end supplement, you are going to be taking a supplement that's full of fillers that actually act and prohibit the body's ability to absorb. I'm glad so you you you're that really up. not getting any benefit. So if you're going to supplement, I absolutely recommend you do your research. You do whole foods-based supplementation, mm-hmm. and you're really careful and read labels. If if people start advocating for themselves and start reading labels and really start understanding, you know, stay away from hydrogenated. Stay away from um, corn syrups. You know, those types of things contribute to aging. They... Um, contribute to blood sugar dysregulation. They are hormonal, dis, you know, disruptors. They are
1: thyroid disruptors. So, how do you? How, how does one? People are so overwhelmed with the supplement thing. <sighs> mm-hmm. And if if it is determined that, you know, that you're probably deficient in mm-hmm. particular areas, mm-hmm. let's just take vitamin D, which mm-hmm. probably should be uh, taken along with calcium and magnesium and mm-hmm. K2. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what your view is on that. But but in any case, and please do chime in there, but Mm -hmm. in any case, how does one determine that this supplement versus that supplement is more whole food based than the next one on the shelf?
2: So, you know, shopping at somewhere like Pharmaca or a New Seasons or where they actually have somebody who's fairly educated Mm -hmm. on their products. You know, obviously for Kyle and I, if it's somebody coming into the clinic, you know, we have our favorites that we recommend, Mm -hmm. you know, to clients and to patients. But if someone is just going in, you know, and they want to know what the best – I would just recommend they go to a higher-end vitamin store and just yeah, really understand, good. you know, what they're taking. Even
1: compounding pharmacies. Are, Absolutely. Well, well, yeah, was, is a compounding right. pharmacy, but um, Natalie's pharmacy, Natalie that Gustafson, who we interviewed, mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. A couple episodes back has a lovely pharmacy, yeah. Lloyd Center, and all kinds of great high. I think we call them high grade pharmaceutical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and mean, again, knowing
0: where they're where they're made, where they're Absolutely. manufactured, and reading the philosophy mm-hmm. of the companies mm-hmm. is really important. And again, and like their quality s- control. Yeah. yeah, and like you said, Tracy, if you go into a provider who is going to be more of a functional provider, they're going to be carrying. The good, supplements, the, good supplements, the good supplement. The good supplement. And oftentimes only providers can get those. Mm-hmm. Certain brands are only available to yeah. providers. So, wow, we've covered a lot of ground today. What do you think?
1: <laughs> I think. I could keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I know we
0: could. I think you know what I think is though, since we've covered so much ground today, we have to invite Tracy back. Oh, absolutely! There's a lot of information. I just said
1: absolutely, which we weren't going to say all the time. Yeah, we're trying, Um, trying not to repeat certain words, but that's an absolutely for sure. It's an absolutely and an an amazing too. Because she's amazing, (laughs) but but I think we we haven't you know really getting into the actual foods that we eat to create balance. So the foods that we eat to create hormonal balance are going to be the foods that we eat that create uh, a non-inflammatory right Uh, milieu in our bodies and there are certain foods i mean it it's pretty we all hear eat your vegetables eat your fruit Mm -hmm. eat your but there are so many distinctions within that Mm -hmm. so there's you know high glycemic yep there's the the glycemic load yeah there's the cruciferous vegetables that Mm -hmm. are known to help um, eliminate some of these toxins that we were just talking about mm-hmm. that we are exposed to, and so yeah. you know I can do everything right all day long. Try to eat my my um, greens and my broccoli and all those cruciferous cabbage, cauliflower, and then walk, take my walk, and some guys spraying mm-hmm. in, in the field down the yeah. way. And and so we we can't get it right all the time, yeah. but knowing exactly what are the specifics that we should be eating, what foods of the good foods, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's what I was saying before. Um, people mm-hmm. say to me all the time, "Oh, I eat clean. I have a really healthy diet." What is a healthy diet? What is a healthy hormonally balancing diet, actually? And what are some of the so called healthy foods that we think are healthy that? actually don't belong in a hormone-balancing, health-giving, anti-inflammatory diet. Do you have a list that you or give Or way people? of eating. Don't call it a diet. Call it a way of eating or lifestyle.
2: I Every time somebody comes to see me, I give a list of recommended foods. These are mm-hmm. my recommended fats. These are my recommended vegetables. These are my recommended
1: fruits. And there you are know, some things that aren't on that list. What are some of the things that aren't on your list that people might think are healthy that, that tell us they're eating healthily?
2: Um...
0: Oh,
1: gosh. Well, I was thinking that we
0: did a cleanse with Tracy. And uh, Candace, and I did that 21-day cleanse. And it was super helpful. It was based on the Whole30. Yeah. And and I know some of the things you put on there, like MCT oil and things Mm -hmm. like that, were so great. And certain kinds of sugars that you said avoid all kinds of refined sugars. I think people would think that... um, Trying to think what we got, like, stevia. Stevia, stevia was one good. I was using. Stevia, Agave. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that having those lists available to people, mm-hmm. and we can certainly put that on our website because it's, it's a huge amount of food. But having those foods to know what to avoid, you gave us very yeah. specific foods to avoid, mm-hmm. like the stevia agave, mm-hmm. anything that was processed. Yeah, uh, gluten was one of them, and and some of the things, and like buckwheat not being a, a gluten was kind of fun to know to know about. Mm-hmm. But giving us lists of foods to eat. Giving us recipes was great yeah. and giving us foods to avoid. Mm-hmm. Well, for instance, certain grains yeah. were not on the list.
2: So, certain grains are going to have, they're going to be more difficult for the body to break down. They're going to have more of a glycemic response. You know, really, the whole purpose of an anti inflammatory diet is to eliminate grains.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, um, and so because of the response in the body. And you, you do an elimination diet to eat just real foods. You're eating basically
1: fruits, vegetables, fats, and proteins. So are you saying grains are not real foods because they're processed? I
2: don't know. I'm not saying that. I just, I think we've become over-reliant on the importance of grains. And, and I don't think grains. Of grains. And, and we, we overeat. overeat We overeat grains. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, it's really important for people
1: to realize how great they can feel Without grains. And that's been a sea change in our thinking, or it has absolutely yeah, everything was high because five, everything the more was you had, eat the lots yeah. of grains. Yeah. And really, yeah. you know, we found
2: ourselves where we have this epidemic of obesity because of this philosophy around. Low fat, are good. high grains, carbohydrates, and mm-hmm. you know, and we did ourselves a tremendous disservice in in doing that. I think on was it Time Magazine? They said that the low fat diet was the largest um, public health debacle. Debacle <laughs> yeah. ever. Well, yeah. you know, yeah. I think, it was, I think it's because sugar.
0: fat has a higher amount of calories per gram, so, so you could eat more quantity right. of carbs, absolutely, and, and so that you had large quantities of food, so people so, didn't feel like deprived.
2: So this is where people get a little, when you're talking about weight loss, this is where people get concerned, because... Per one gram of fat, it returns nine calories. Mm -hmm. Per one gram of carbohydrate and protein, it's between three and four. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're talking about double the calories. But the thing to think about is more fats will keep you fuller longer. Mm -hmm. So you're actually eating less. You're more satiated. Your body doesn't need a lot when you have a higher fat diet. And I'm not saying eat coconut oil by the tablespoon. You know, I'm talking about avocado, avocado oil, some olive oil nuts. in your salad, nuts, you know, some really healthy delivery systems of of fats in the diet. So then Fatty when, fish, right. So salmon then when sardines. You're eating, when you're eating carbohydrates, you're
1: blowing through them mm-hmm,
2: and mm-hmm. you're hungry
1: all the time. Well Tracy so, so now you ex- end up eating more. Explain to us that famous thing: fat doesn't make you fat. Fat does not make you that, fat. That is that is the sea change in thinking too. Well, that is the sea change, and people they, don't understand that. Well, still. I think back in the day they thought the hard fat thing. was like fat was like an ice
0: cream. You know, fat associated the, the with fat sugar and the red state. fried, or fried, fruit. right? Yeah, fried foods. So fruits. this is where as bad fats.
2: as a society we've done a tremendous disservice to fats mm-hmm. because we're lumping them. In all one pile Mm -hmm. like an amazing you know saturated fat or a monounsaturated is gonna be the same thing as a trans fat now trans fats those are the ones that do contribute to inflammation they contribute it to cardiovascular disease those are gonna be your french fries your hamburgers your fried foods those are the ones you're going to want to eliminate Mm -hmm. those contribute to poor health avocado olive oil um, avocado oil, fatty coconut fishes, oil. coconut oil, those are amazing for the body and they actually help promote healthy hormone and thyroid function. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah so they're the backbone. They actually.
2: Are the backbone cholesterol <laughs> is, is the backbone. It is
0: an amazing change from what we learned about the food pyramids when we were growing up versus mm-hmm. what's happening now. It's so different. It's so different. I mean the Mediterranean diet was always the one.
2: So the Mediterranean diet is probably, when you start talking about diets, it's probably been the one diet that's been the most successful. You remove pasta from the Mediterranean diet, and it is so successful because it's so rich in dietary Mm -hmm. fats.
0: Yeah, it is.
2: It absolutely is. It allows grains. It allows some grains.
1: And And dairy. I am
2: not not an anti-grain person, so I just want to be really, really clear on that. I remove grains when I'm introducing an, an, an anti inflammatory diet.
1: Right. But I think That's grains
2: should be introduced in moderation. I mm-hmm. think we need to get rid of thinking that we
1: need a lot of grains to be healthy. Sure. That was what I was. But what, what they was... bring us are magnesium and B vitamins they and do. fiber and roughage yes, absolutely. and so many important things. But so when it's... you're
2: looking at your plate, like when you order a bowl, the majority of that bowl should not be quinoa or brown rice. Mm-hmm. Right, yes. The majority of that bowl should be vegetables, proteins with a little bit of it's rice a good, it's or quinoa. A and right. some good fats. Right. That so I think it's the understanding needs to be it should be lower quantities of grains higher quantities of vegetables, fats, and proteins. Yeah, when
0: you're in Italy and you get a primo piatti, which is the first plate in yeah. Italy, you get a little, small, little bowl of pasta. That's yeah. the key. And, and that's go, the key. And you go to a restaurant here, and it's a massive The, the plate. entire plate. So, is... And I, I can't – I don't know about you guys. I grew up eating pasta. I can't even eat pasta. It makes Mm-mm. me feel so sick. Yeah, but I don't like it. eating a big bowl of pasta – I mean, talk about lethargy afterwards. You want to take
2: a nap. It's the first thing you just want to lay world. down and take a nap. So it
0: is, I think, getting back to – we, we have to think about the whole person. Absolutely. Changing lifestyle, reorienting to how we think about food. You know, we haven't even talked a lot about, and we'll have to have you back with this part for yeah. sure, the emotional aspect of eating Absolutely. and how people feel about their bodies because it takes up so much time in our lives. I, so I think we need I, to kind of – I know we're going to post a lot of these mm-hmm. things on our website, particularly yeah. some of Tracy's recommendations for foods to avoid, mm-hmm. foods to – Focus on some great recipes that she's shared with us. Chocolate fat bombs is one of my mm-hmm. favorites,
1: and I think we need to have her come back because this is
0: a big conversation. Yeah. It
1: is because it's it's not only what you just were saying about you would you would have someone remove grains primarily if they had an inflammatory problem, mm-hmm. but in tr- so we're talking about two different things: what to eat when we're just trying to be healthy and then there's what to eat when we're trying to restore health. Absolutely. And when we're trying to or, and or balance our hormones and yep. or stop an inflammatory condition. Absolutely. So it is it's a very wide ranging conversation. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's not as simple as, you know, just eat fruit and veg and, oh. well, and this is this is the diet you should follow so, the rest yeah. of your life. So here's
2: the thing, for me, I want people to love food. Hmm. I want people to find joy in food, enjoy eating, but enjoy eating foods that make them feel joyful, that make them feel vibrant.
1: Well, on that note, I think we're all going out to dinner. Yes, we are. And we're going to a really
0: good Thai restaurant, I understand. (laughs) So I want to thank Tracy for spending time with us today. It's a joy, first of all, to work with you every day and have Mm -hmm. you help my patients and us. You've helped us learn so much. Uh And I know that this has been a lot of information for all of us today. I'm still digesting it, no pun intended. (laughs) So I think we need to have you come back. I'd love to be back. I would love to be here. Yeah, I think
1: it's all, it's a really fascinating conversation. And you're obviously really uh, fascinated yourself and passionate about it. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, we should be passionate about the food we put in our bodies. And mm-hmm. we should, you know, find that to be something that is sustaining and nourishing and not just come away from a meal feeling stuffed. And or yeah. bad you know. about ourselves.
0: And what I, I agree with you, the whole thing about do you eat to live or live to eat? Mm-hmm.
1: It's mm-hmm. that whole,
0: you know, idea of what's your relationship with food? Absolutely. You want your food to be for a friend, we have to eat every single mm-hmm. day. And if the food is your enemy, it's just Life is just not worth living. So I think this whole conversation is helping us all to get a better relationship with food and learn how to make food our friend. Absolutely. Mm -mm. Okay. Bon appetit, everybody, and (laughs) we'll see you next time. Thanks again. See you next time. Well, here we are at the end of this WTF
1: Woman Talking Frankly podcast episode. In signing off, we want you to remember that what you are feeling is not all in your head. And that you have so many options to choose
0: from to get you back to balanced living. Until next time, be well. And remember, if you want a great life, you need to ask great questions. Be courageous.
1: Ask for what you need. With love, Kyle and Candace. Our website is womentalkingfrankly.com where you can find all of our episodes, check out the show notes for resources, articles, and remedies, and where you can also feel free to email us with any questions, a hormone story, anything you'd like us to share with our listeners.
0: Women Talking Frankly WTF is produced by Dan Rigger of Medicine Whistle Studios in his lovely Southeast Portland, Oregon studio. We want to thank our webmaster and dear friend, Deb Hollister of Pure and Simple Graphic Design. We also want to give a shout out to all of our family, friends, and patients for all of their support and encouragement to start this podcast. We are your hosts, Kyle McAvoy and Candace Birch.